Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Pat Crakes joins us on 365 Sports. Good afternoon, Pat. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. I want to start with the Diamond Sports getting some money from Amazon. I know they also may have settled with Sinclair. What does all this, in your opinion, actually mean? Um, well, uh, it means that the regional sports networks, contrary to kind of the popular mantra, are going to continue to survive. It, it looks like Diamond Sports Group is going to emerge out of Chapter 11 restructured. Their debt is going to be significantly altered. There will be new equity stake owners, primarily the unsecured. Uh, debt holders will take control of the company. It'll emerge. It's going to get a half billion dollars clawed back from Sinclair uh, that Sinclair had taken away from Diamond uh, services fees over the past three or four years. And because of its debt restructuring, renegotiation in the bankruptcy proceedings with sports teams to reduce rights fees and now also keeping those contracts mostly in place instead of renegotiating, which they were thinking about doing, to having them all terminate in 2024 means that Diamond will um, be able to merge as a profitable business, not like what it once was, but it will be an ongoing concern. And that's going to have implications, obviously. I think a lot of these RSMs are going to end up getting what we call tiered. They'll be off your basic system. But by getting to a sports tier, that will enable maybe some competitive or better pricing or, or, or distribution options for direct-to-consumer, which is hence the Amazon investment in the entire company. The one thing I'll say about an investment is we don't know what the valuation of the company is in that investment. And I have seen media reports that have suggested somehow this means now Amazon controls the local sports media business, and it's really far from it. Um, but they are partners now, and you will be able to get the Bally Sports app inside Amazon channels. Mm-hmm. You won't get it with your Amazon Prime subscription. Pat, what do you think there? Do they have a good long-term future now, or is this still um, – Amazon invests, sees how it goes, and then let's talk again when some of these contracts are renewed or not. Well, I think I think they have a good medium-term future because we still have the same problem we've had forever, 
we've got uh, an atrophying established distribution system that drove values through the roof because it acted like a utility and natural monopoly with these great revenue economics. It's broken down. So those revenues aren't there, but it's still very profitable and it pays all the bills. The digital distribution uh, remains very, very unprofitable. And um, for, for companies like Disney or, or Warner or the WBD um, or even for Diamond Sports, streaming just the economics of it don't work out because you can't price yourself properly and scale at the same time and pay these teams their rights fees. So these teams have now become dependent upon these local rights fees from RSNs. In some cases, for some of the teams, it can be 30% of their operating income. And that's a really big number, right? So like the Yankees are okay if the system breaks down. They'll find a way, right? They'll be the last ones out of the system with no new system, right? But the Kansas City Royals have a real problem with this. So they really have nowhere to go. They have to keep the current system going and milk it while they experiment and try to sort out digital distribution and hopefully get it to a place where it can begin to become a profitable business. Not as profitable as the old pay TV bundle, but at least better than negative numbers. I just saw a note. The Rangers make $111 million off a of Diamond Sports Network. Is that 111 every year, or is that over a certain amount of time? Not, not trying to put you on the spot, because I know everybody has a different okay. type of deal. So the Rangers have a different type. The Rangers, when, 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 when the deal was redone with the Rangers, the Rangers won a bunch of cash up front, and I forget how much that was. But they got a bunch of guaranteed cash. And then, so they're, so that number has got the cash tied up into it, I think, probably, Smokey. I, I, right. I'm not sure, but, but the Rangers have a bit of a different deal, right? And so, but it is an expensive deal when you look at it. So, you know, there are some contracts that I think Diamond is thinking about, you know, rejecting as they emerge out. I think the Rangers are one of them. The Guardians in Ohio are another one. That doesn't mean that they won't renegotiate. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that these teams are going to have to make some hard decisions about whether they just want to go to zero or they want to take 10% of their local rights or 15% of the local rights and try broadcast and streaming, or do they want to go back to a company like Diamond or somebody else or themselves and go back to pay TV and say, look, um, you don't have to pay us what you used to pay us. You can tear us. Uh, but we need your distribution and access to those fee-based economics because we can't get, you know, it's, you know, half a loaf is better than no loaf. Mm-hmm. Pat, what does this mean um, when you see the RSNs for college athletics and football in particular that um, the this money, like, you know, you see a diamond sports group that has to file for bankruptcy. Uh, I'm sure there's other companies that are out there going, well, there by the grace of God go we, but, uh, but not yet. And, and that, that's all going to affect it. And the pie can't just keep getting bigger. There's only a finite amount of money for these things. Yeah, that's a good question. The, 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 college, the college sports RSNs, the network RSNs, are in a little bit of a different box. Those those, while they're, they're, they, they spread across entire regions and also get distribution nationally, though at a different rate, in particular, something like the Big Ten Network, which is a joint venture, the ACC, uh, the, uh, the ESPN um, conference networks are licensed deals, so they are a little different. Um, but the, basically, they are in better shape than the RSNs because they're negotiating for something that is regionally popular, but also nationally popular at the same time. So a local Rangers game in July between the Rangers and the Angels isn't nearly as valuable as Wisconsin versus Michigan on BTN 
And so they, they, they sit in a kind of a different box. They're also married to national media companies as opposed to kind of being by themselves. So some of the RSNs are, particularly the Diamond one. So, so Charter Communications owns two big RSNs in L.A. And, of course, NBC still owns their, several of their RSNs. So they're in better shape, and they kind of go on. The RSNs go on, too. They just change the negotiation guide. It goes from it being available on the basic tier to everybody to being on a sports tier at a higher price, which means the pay TV distributor can pay less but still can pay something. And if you go back to the Disney charter renegotiation that we had back in September, they kind of re-imaged, gave us a glimpse of what the future looks like, where channels are going to be available inside the pay TV provider's broadband business. At the same time, they're still going to have their channels business. And that'll give the, ch- the pay TV distributor access to the content without having to pay for as much for it as they used to. Patrick, you sent me a, uh, it's been a while, but you sent me a, a, a direct message back in during Christmas. He goes, hey, I, I listened to the show, the YouTube with uh, Bob from the other day. It was great. One thing for you guys to think about, the economic system that pays all the bills for college football is either in decline, pay TV in parentheses, one, or isn't producing the value needed to support current and future rates fees slash streaming. It's a strategic problem. How big of a problem? Uh, it's an existential crisis, probably. Oh um, it's a slow rolling, consistent existential crisis. At the end of the day, if it isn't possible to, to find a positive streaming distribution model, um, you're, and at the same time, the pay TV bundle doesn't stabilize, which it's probably not going to. You've got this content cost revenue mismatch that something has to give. And the way that so far on the entertainment side, the, the, this problem's been fixed is by not spending money on content. So you can see where I'm going with this. Yes. At the end of the day, and you're already seeing pressure on this, right? Even with sports, right? So not every sport is being treated equally anymore in the tier one box, right? The tier one box being somebody that gets a rights fee. The route to the rights fee for some of these properties is getting more complicated. They have to take more risk or they take a loss in reach. Like Thursday night football, successful on Amazon reaches 20% less people than it did on Fox, even with this year's games, right? But that was more complicated. But as we go down the line, more and more careful choices have to be made about how much more you give a tier one partner, what they're bringing, and, and how much of their content you can afford to take because we haven't balanced out the system. We've got a content cost system that is dependent upon 30 years of this natural monopoly pay TV bundle driving revenues through the roof. And that's gone. And so you have to make hard choices. So that's why you see things like the college football playoff, which is an elite level tier one sport that someone's going to pay for, it's going to get its money. It's not just a giant auction. Everybody just can't jump in the pool and pay whatever they want until somebody comes out as the higher bidder. It's much more complicated. And we live in a world now where something like the NBA could double their rights fees and that becomes disappointing. So because you've got to save money, you can't afford to have an auction and triple the rights fees, which was the expectation just five years ago. So it's a problem. Figuring out how to make streaming work correctly while not losing all the money from pay TV is the challenge. I go back to that Disney charter deal that was done in September, guys. That was the beginning of the distributors and the content provider, Disney, beginning to really get together to try to figure out a way to make the model sustainable. But make no doubt about it, in aggregate, for the entire media business of which sports is a part, we're looking at a slow growth, little growth to no growth business which means content costs must adjust to that revenue reality somehow in aggregate. So what were your thoughts about what, uh, what was it, Peacock that had the playoff game? 
and yep. the numbers looked pretty good, taking even away the millions, that are half 1.5 million from Kansas City, Miami market. What overall, how did you think that went? Well, I thought about it went about as good as it could go. Uh, I, the young demos were up primarily because it was the time and window of the game drove young adults out, right? And now Nielsen measures out of home, which is one of the reasons why sports viewing is seeing some lift over the past two or three years as they've integrated that into the system. And um, they went out, they watched the game. It raised the adult demos, even though it lowered the total viewing number, right? Or the household number, not the total viewing number, which meant more people were watching out of home. That's a technical wonky research thing. But so, so you raise the adult demos. The problem is, is that Peacock is largely a subscription business that loses about a billion and a half dollars a year. And none of those people that went out to watch it at a bar that had a commercial license for Peacock downloaded the app. So converting them into subs is more complicated. But you got, you know, look, NBC had to spend this kind of money. They spent $100 million for this, primarily because they've got to find out how this is going to work in under one circumstances. Just view that money as a giant marketing campaign to make things, make people aware of what's on Peacock, which has some significant, I mean, I have to watch Indiana games on Peacock all the time now. And I I live uh, about two thirds of the time in Columbus. You should have seen the reaction to everybody when they found out an Ohio State football game was going to be on Peacock. That was like crazy walking around. But, um, (laughs) But the truth of the matter is they have to do this to try to at least figure out how to get and retain subs so they know what the content is there so they can learn what they're really dealing with. Um, that And so it makes sense to do it. The question is, is it going to be worth it? Is it going to fix anything? And does, does the future look like losing a billion dollars? Does it look like making a billion dollars? Or does it look like breaking even? In all three cases, it's not what you used to make. And so that's the reality. But I thought it was great. I thought NBC did a great job. Congrats to my friend Rick Cordell. He did a great job. It's a good decision to do it. It's just, you know, it's a tough it's getting tough. It's a tough thing to do because it costs so much and you don't know how many people are actually going to stick around. Pat, I'm curious your thoughts on the FSU versus ACC battle uh, that is <laughs> going to be played out in court. Um, I mean, FSU has a plan. It's as of now a secret to uh, everyone, especially uh, alums like me. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm curious uh, as to, you know, what uh, what the how how do they get out of something like this unless ESPN bails them out of it by not enacting that clause in two years? Well, I, you know, look, um, as the great media executive Mike Tyson once said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, and everybody's getting punched in the mouth here. Look, uh, often lawsuits, legal action is a way to get a negotiation going. Um, and there, there's a couple moving pieces here. They include that ESPN, in my opinion, needs the ACC. They have a network. They have lots of shelf space to fill. Um, they really, really can't lose the ACC. I don't think they don't want the ACC to break apart. Uh, you know, what, 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 what is their long run decision in here with this? FSU wants to get paid more. They want something that's more, they want to be able to take the contract and, 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 and make it, uh, relevant to today's terms. Uh, that, you know, that's, that's going to be a problem because they signed a contract that doesn't let them do that. Uh, the ACC wants to keep the conference together because they want, feel they have more leverage together. There's probably an opportunity for a compromise somewhere here, uh, but it's it's going to be a little bit of time before we get there. You know, got to be careful what you wish for. Remember when I talk about 
how where the economics are going to come from, not so much today, but in five years. And this is assumption by a lot of people who talk about if if somehow you can break this grant of rights, guys, I'm not an attorney, but I've been an expert witness in lots of matters in both federal court and in the court of chancery in Delaware, where all the corporations in America are incorporated. And I can tell you that the understanding of the marketplace at the time of the matter really matters. Like that's what's relevant, not what's going on today. And that's number one, that's going to make this challenging. But if you do get what you want, you're basically going to jailbreak everybody out of their grant of rights. It looks like to me and to the people I've talked to, there's a chance, certainly in the ACC, you jailbreak everybody. And I don't know where all the money comes to reassign that unless you do something like hoover up everybody with a bunch of private money into the Super League, which I thought, you know, a couple of years ago was a couple of years away. And full disclosure, I've had conversations with investors about that concept in the past. But, you know, you can accidentally make something happen that you don't want to have happen by assuming that there's just a way the current system, it's just like, oh, we'll just go join the Big Ten. Right. Or we'll just go join the SEC. Well, where's the money come from? How does that impact everybody else? Where the money comes from is becoming more complicated. That's why the CFP, I think, has a strong chance of ending up in the one place for the one entity that can maximize its value and justify overpaying because the others can't. Um, I think there's a good chance the whole thing ends up at one network. Um, they may sublicense some of it afterwards, but I think that's a, there's a good chance that's going to happen. So, uh, you know, be careful. Don't you become the dog caught the car because you don't necessarily understand the media landscape. And, um, you know, that, so I, but at the end of the day, I think there'll be some kind of compromise to keep things together. I think that's probably a better route for everyone. Uh, it becomes realization that the next five years in media are going to be complicated. They're going to involve some kind of consolidation and not maybe positive consolidation to try to find a way to a more profitable model that can justify some types of investment in content because if you can't invest in content, you can't do anything. And one of the frustrating things, I think, for a lot of people in media is that the non-traditional players that make all their economics from things that aren't media, like Amazon and Apple, or five years ago, speculation was Facebook, uh, you know, just aren't spending uh, in the way on the items or on the events that everybody thought they would. And the answer is because they're not quite sure what this does either. They can spend a billion, two billion, three billion dollars and still be doing an experiment. And uh, they didn't become Apple and Amazon by just throwing money around because they thought that'd be super good idea. So it's a bad inflection point time. And I say, be careful what you wish for because you could get jammed. Somebody's going to get jammed. Just ask the Pac-12. I mean, no one could have envisioned. We yeah, were one yeah. year from ESPN giving them a good deal to their to their to basically their demise no one no one predicted that uh last thing pat pre- appreciate your time uh, uh again uh, former executive craig's media consultant uh fantastic information and and makes it seem like it makes sense to someone like me the nfl network and espn are going to be i don't know partners but they're going to work together good deal or not is it good to have espn maybe to help the content but uh, not like they're sleeping together, but is, is this a good idea? Well, it's a good idea if the league can finally put their, their media companies, their media assets to ESPN, which they've been trying to do for about 12 years. But trying to find someone to invest or take, get out of running media businesses, ESPN can, can make all of that work. The key here is that um, 
is that basically ESPN's buying those NFL network games, if that's what's going on here. Certainly the assets work today. They have the ESPN has the portfolio to make NFL networks still profitable inside with distributors and advertisers. So all that kind of makes sense, but getting access to those games is super important. You don't you don't have to be a you don't have to be a mathematical genius to say that you know like 98 of the top 100 programs in in all video are NFL, right? And it's been that way for like eight years. So it makes sense for ESPN in that sense. For the league, um, I think that the that that the problem for them, I mean, they get rid of their media assets. So I don't know who else is going to take them. Um, they get rid of their media assets, but the question is, does ESPN require them to kind of do the valuation on those NFL network games that they've been doing, you know, internally for years, or, or does the league force them ESPN to pay market rate for those games? And that, that has something to do with an economic term called wholesale transfer pricing, which the league executes. And if the league kind of gets rid of their wholesale transfer pricing power in this, then I don't think it's a good deal for the league. But if they do this, get rid of their media assets and maintain their wholesale transfer pricing, um, and ESPN gets a bunch of media assets and access to those games for 20 years, then maybe it's a good deal. But in general, I, I would not say I would like it at all if the league can't, if the league has to get rid of their wholesale transfer pricing power and ESPN has to pay market value for those games. If you don't mind, Craig kind of brought up something off to the side on uh, Oregon State, Washington State. They're 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 the only ones left. We know there's still a lot of stuff going on, but they're they're back for 2024. Will their games be on network television, all of them, or will it be kind of what it was going to be in the first place? But those are the only two teams that get on. Wow. Um, so that's a great question. Um, I think it depends upon the kind of compromises they're prepared to make. I think there's probably station group options for them. But um, I, I don't know that they won't find their way to, 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 to decent distribution. Um, they still they still have value. They obviously, you know, being two teams in the Pacific Northwest, you know, versus everybody isn't easy, but God knows uh, it looks like they got some fight in them. Um, you know, the big thing for them is to kind of just keep themselves together as long as for over the next four or five years and make it to the next round of realignment. It's going to be a massive challenge, but if they can do that, there's value for them there. So I, I would say you're going to see some of their games. They, I like the idea of a station group, perhaps finding a way to distribute their games. That might make some sense. Um, but the key for them in the future is going to be scheduling and how many outside of their own, the pack two or the pack, whatever it was, or the mountain pack, whatever it's going to be, right? Yeah. How many schools from the big 10, the SEC and the big 12 will play them early in the year with, with, with the one or two shots that a lot of these conferences are going to have outside of conference. You know, if you're a team inside the SEC or the big 10, now you've got like two opportunities to play mm -hmm. somebody outside of it. And so, you know, and I would say scheduling Washington state would make a lot of sense. Um, especially the college football playoff is going to make some of this scheduling more easier. you you can take a loss, you know, you can take a loss or two and still make the playoff. So I, I'd be optimistic about it, but it's not, that's, that's a, that's, as we used to say in the army, when you, when you, you know, there's a lot of windage on that, on that shot, so you gotta, <laughs> yeah. you gotta, you gotta get that thing in there. Somehow. This has been a Rogue Media Network 
Tschüss.